LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. All right, welcome to Ask Me Anything, and we're going to talk about aliens today. Aliens. Exciting. Awesome. So, J.D., here's the question. Can Christians believe in aliens? <laughs> well, let's certainly say it's not a first-tier order of faith. I would say there is some liberty here. Uh, it's uh, Last time I checked on our church's website, it's not in our statement of I faith. I scrolled through the Baptist Faith and Message in preparation. They haven't said anything yet, but okay. you know, I don't know. Maybe we I can am, look into I am that. president of the SBC yeah. right now. Perhaps maybe we could get something added <laughs> some, in there about what to believe there. about this. Hey, I mean, you know, C.S. Lewis. Right. Yeah. Everybody's favorite, you know, British apologist, C.S. Lewis. He kept the option open hmm. and he's smart and he's godly. So, you know, if you'd asked him, he kind of would have said maybe yes. You know, yeah. He, he didn't see any reason for it. So well, let's just sort of like when we take a couple minutes and just sort of kind of paint the, the, the spectrum here. Of, good. Yeah. Right. OK. Yeah. You know, a lot of evolutionists, those who believe that, you know, the earth was created chaotically out of a big bang on yeah. of processes, they they say the likelihood of there being that much space and not having other life in it, they would, they would say it's unlikely. And Stephen Jay Gould said there probably is life out there and we should probably stop trying to send out signals because in all likelihood it would be hostile. It's a very pessimistic outlook. Yeah, on he's it. like, he's like, there are aliens out there and we don't want them to know where we are. So stop sending out radio signals. Cause he said the odds are they're going to be hostile. Um, I mean, and you think about it. I mean, it's just, I think it's actually a, it's kind of an amazing thing to think about. Astronomers estimate the number of stars, just like our sun, at 3,000 billion trillion, which I think mathematicians say the number is septillion, you know, 24 zeros after it. Okay, so I was a comm major. So okay. when it comes to numbers, I need like, is there like a word? Can we do a word picture? A is word picture, something? okay. Because you're like, you're like, I just want to open my bank account and see a number with two digits. Exactly, right? so exactly. So, so I hear billion trillion, and I'm like, <laughs> what big does that number. Mean? Okay, yeah, they all kind of run together for me too. Here's an illustration I actually thought was what helped me. Uh, do you know what you were doing a million seconds ago, one million seconds ago. No, clue. that was eleven days ago. Oh, so you, if you thought, you probably yeah. remember. Right, what about a billion seconds ago? When was a billion seconds ago? No, thirty-one idea. years and eight months ago. So what was, what was Matt Love doing? Thirty was a twinkle. You just a twinkle, right? <laughs> I mean, thirty-one years, eight months ago, the Jedi were returning for the first time. The CD player just came out. Wow! Right? Okay. So Matt Love was not even born yet. Not Rambo born. was saving our world from certain destruction. Um, all right, that's a billion. Here's a trillion seconds ago. You know how long, how far that back that would be? A maybe lot. Three hundred years. Maybe? Yeah. No, a trillion seconds ago was twenty-nine thousand six hundred seventy-two BC. Dang. First Rocky movie had just debuted. I wow, think. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. Well, anyway, Auburn won their last national football championship. And, I think you know you're hurting my feelings now, and that's okay. I'm going to move on from that. But so uh, when we say three thousand billion trillion stars, septillion, we're talking about. I mean, yes, that that is a humongous expanse. Yeah. of space. And they say, you know, in fact, one of the other things um, is that they say there are likely forty billion potentially habitable planets that are similar to earth in that and so some would say the likelihood is is high yeah now i think other scientists respond to that and say yeah but with earth you've got a number of factors they call it the anthropomorphic principle or or the um they call it the goldilocks principle oh, yeah everything on earth is just right whether it's the the levels of gas and the, the temperature if i mean i don't have it all in front of me but if it, you know if the degrees of the earth tilted the way it spun were even a few degrees off if the the carbon dioxide mixture was was even a couple 
you know, tenths or hundreds of a point off, life would not be possible. Yeah. And they say that, that that means that those 40 billion planets out there, the odds of any of them being able to sustain life is extremely hmm. small, almost impossibly small. Um, that's how people respond to that. I, I, I've heard creationists say, well, I mean, with, with the universe being as big as it is, why would God waste all that space? Maybe yeah. he, there are other places where, where, where life exists. That's kind of the argument for. Yeah. That's like kind of what, like, maybe in the the like scientists and different kind of people would say, like, this is kind of what's going on. And some Christians too. Yeah. yeah. So does the does the Bible speak to this at all, or, or not really? Or? Well, that's where, and I hate to be disappointing for people that really were excited about, you know, Sad. they were thinking, hey, maybe there really is, and C.S. Lewis, and I'm, you know, I love Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Well, first of all, when it comes to why the universe is so big, you know, who does God create all this space that none of us will ever see for? I mean, C.S. Lewis himself would say God created that for himself. Yeah. God is the the first viewer of his own his own beauty. Um, plus, here, here's where you start getting into into. I think what makes it, if you're a Bible believing Christian, um, what makes it difficult to to really think about alien life. Yeah. Now, l- let me just say before I say this, if we do discover that one day, it won't like tank my faith or doesn't mean yeah. the Bible's wrong. I'm just gleaning from the Bible. Genesis one posits man as the pretty much the center of God's creative work. You know, I mean, just when you look at how God, you know, in the, on the very first day, he speaks light, he, he creates stars. I mean, all this is building to the pinnacle of man. It, it, there's nowhere really in there for a detour. And then God created other life here and there and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's just like it, it, even the things that God creates in terms of the sun, moon and stars are usually talked about in in relation to how they can assist mankind. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you keep going throughout scripture and that centrality of man continues in the in the creative work. Uh, you know, it says, for example, Psalm eight, that God put man to rule over the works of God's hands. You put all things under his feet. You know, and so you're looking at this, you know, this this species that exists on this little tiny planet in the middle of all this space, and God has made them the one that is supposed to have all things under His feet. Yeah. Um. You know, why would there be so many stars? Um. For those purposes, well, I mean, first of all, it's not that big of a deal to God. He can create as many as He wants. Yeah. You know, with you know, very little effort. And it, plus, it says that all of creation exists to declare the majesty of God. So yes, we know about the the vast expanse of the universe. Part of that is a message to us that God is so incomprehensible bigger than you could ever get your mind around. So you and I are supposed to look at 3,000 billion trillion stars and say, what an amazing, yeah, incredible God, God. God doesn't need to put life in other parts of to fill the space with other like life to prove anything about himself. It's, it proves his glory in and of itself. His size. Despite, yeah. I mean, you think about each of these stars puts out the same energy every second as they say, what, 500 you know, million megaton bombs every second. Yeah. Is what, and he kind of created all these. I mean, it, that speaks to us of, of, of God's power. Getting back to that whole centrality of man, I mean, you know, it, Hebrews, it tells us that one day we'll rule over even angels. I mean, here's one. The second member of the Trinity, right? God, yeah. the son became a man. Yeah. And he, he exists now. He sits on the throne now as the son of man. If there are other alien intelligent life forms, and what does that mean for them? Yeah. Is it, there's just a centrality and a focus on man that does not really set up a good discussion on all these different races that God would have created elsewhere. It's just hard to read scripture in, in a way you know that, that would really point to that. Now, I, again, I just want to say, I'm not saying we'd ever totally close the door on other intelligent life, but I do wonder like if there was another rebellious race out there. Yeah. It doesn't seem that, that at least the way we read scripture that God would you know, give himself for them in the way that he gave himself yeah. for us. It's just hard to integrate. So here's the thing. I know you're a smart guy. I know you read a lot. So I'm just wondering, you got any good, like, just 
<laughs> space facts? Any alien facts you want to drop on us? I mean, here's my question. If if we find out aliens are out there, are they going to come rolling up here someday? Do we need to worry about this? So in other words, you're saying if there were, I mean, after yeah. all that yeah, I just yeah, yeah. said, let's just say if there were. For the sake of an interesting <laughs> podcast, there's aliens okay. and they're coming. Well, I, I should probably be clear with everybody, Matt. I, I, I'm not a, a scientist and I don't really bring uh, all kinds of space knowledge into okay. this. I will say that as I was looking through the bi- considering the biblical implications of this question, I did encounter some some research that I thought was pretty interesting. Okay, for example, just the distance that would have to be traveled by another species to come to us would make it altogether in, almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest star, they say, uh, I think it's uh, I have it written down here is Proxima Centauri, okay. or I think the locals call it A Centauri C. Uh, it's 40.7 million, million kilometers away. Uh, well, we know like the Apollo flight took three days to get to the moon. The Apollo flight traveling at the same speed would take 870,000 years to get to the nearest star. Wow. Right now, you know, you, you're like, well, well, what about, you know, I've seen Star Wars and they go warp speed Yeah. at one tenth the speed of light. First of all, the amount of energy they say to actually create that kind of speed is just not something that's consistent with the known materials we have in the universe. Like to create that kind of speed yeah. for that amount of time. I know it's disappointing yeah, well. because you the flux capacitor or punch it chewy and put it down. Yeah. It's just not it, you know based on on the on the materials that we see out there to produce that kind of energy for that to 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 take one you know something and and propel it at, at one tenth of the speed of light, eighteen thousand miles a second, would still take you forty three years to get here from the closest star. Okay. And then it would also, in you know, every single minute would consume the same amount of energy that the entire um, world population here consumes in a month. You know, almost every minute that you were yeah. flying at that speed, it just doesn't seem likely. You know, with the, the materials that we have, not super fuel efficient. Travel not super here. fuel efficient travel. Okay. That's right. I mean, it's definitely not going to get passed on the EPA standards. Okay. Uh, fine. W- one more thing on this that I thought was really interesting. And again, I'm not a space scientist, but they say that in every cubic kilometer of space, there's almost a hundred thousand of these little dust particles, little tiny things made of of, of silicates and ice and that kind of thing, weighing only about a tenth of a gram. And at such a velocity, they say that colliding with even these little tiny objects would just shred a spaceship. <laughs> I, I know, again, it's disappointing because you're like punch it, Chewy, and that you know all the the stars kind of like blur. In long days, you go warp speed. At warp speed, and I've always thought when I watched Star Wars, I was like, well, what if they run into something? Maybe it, their, their equipment navigates around. Yeah. But you wouldn't even have to hit something very big. J- just this little dust at that speed hitting that kind of dust would just shred. You know, a spacecraft. So it's just, I would just say it's based on the materials we have and the distances that are there, kind of interstellar, interplanetary travel is, you would almost say scientifically impossible. Okay. From a layman. Okay. It looks scientifically impossible. Okay. So this has been the space hour with J.D. Greer. (laughs) And uh, okay, my last question. We did space facts. People seem to be seeing a lot of aliens out there. Are we talking personal experience here, Matt? I've seen some stuff, you know? No, but I mean, people see UFOs. They see things in the sky. They're like, I don't know what this is. What's the deal with that? Well, here's my official answer. I, I, I've got no idea. I okay. mean, people have an extremely active imagination. Here's something to consider. Gerald Eberlein. I remember one of the things he pointed out. He's a sociologist that, that studied a lot of these. He said, research has shown that people who are not affiliated with any church but who claim they are religious seem particularly susceptible to the possible existence of extraterrestrials. Um, for them, UFOlogy almost becomes a substitute religion because there are like kind of metaphysical, you know, questions into it, just like the movie Interstellar. Yeah. You know, it's got this other huge metaphysical uh, religious kind of impact. Um, in Ephesians, we do know that the devil is called the prince of the power of the air, hmm. right? And, 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 and what that kind of makes you realize is that 
the devil has all kinds of, of deception. And because this is so religiously connected to people and they yeah. put such religious aspirations, it's very likely that Satan may be creating deceptions that cause people to, to, to believe in them. So to kind of sum that up, what I'd say is because people put such kind of religious metaphysical weight on it, I think a lot of times their imagination gets the best of them and they see things that aren't really there. The other thing is, I think you got to allow the possibility that, that Satan actually deceives them and makes them see things that they're not seeing because they're so inclined to believe it. Okay. So, Overall, you never know, but maybe don't hold your breath, Fraley. I'm going to go with probably not, but you know, don't make your faith dependent on it. That's great. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on Ask Me Anything. If you want more resources or just good articles, sermons, other stuff from JD, please visit jdgreer.com, and we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything.